How are you guys this morning? Good. Good? Oh, man, I need some people to shift over. <laughs> oh. You guys have, have an enjoyable week? You like the, the squalling, right? The squall. I was like, it's like a child. It's here, it's there. You got the parents over here got to deal with it, right? <laughs> that was a fun day. But, um, let's uh, start with a word of prayer uh, before we dive into the text before us today. Uh, Father God, we we thank you that we can come and, and sing with the, the stars and the whales that all of creation, the heavens declare the glory of God, it says in Psalm 19. And we just praise you, Lord, for you are the self-existent one. You are the Lord of all. And thank you for a time that we can come together and and just fellowship. We can bear one another's burdens and we can cast them to you, the one that cares for us. You know, the infinite God that is mindful and interactive with creation. And um, just thank you. Thank you for that, Lord. Uh, be with us as we open up your word and, and learn from it. Open up our our eyes and our, our hearts to, to be pierced through by your word, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, you guys enjoy life struggles? They're awesome, They're awesome right? <laughs> yeah, I, as I was you know, thinking on this uh, passage and uh, this, this psalm uh, we, uh, we're going to look at today, I, I was really just like, man, you know, parents understand this. You know, the struggles of life, you're handed this bundle of joy and this baby needs you. And then one day it doesn't, and it has a will and mind of its own, and it's it's going off to college. And I don't like change at all. I, I had to deal with some change this week, and I'm like, you know, change in my pocket is just fine. I'll keep it there and you know save up for something, put it on my Amazon account. <laughs> but change in life in general is hard, right? You know, especially when it's a, a situation maybe of rebellion or sin, and and just dealing with those things is. Is very hard. Well, we get to see in uh, Psalm chapter three today how how David uh, deals with a an issue uh, in his day. You know, as as we ended the book of Philippians last week, I I had been thinking for a time. You know, where where are we going to go? Well, the book of Psalms is a really good place to just kind of sit, meditate on the word of the Lord, and then kind of you know, hey, where where do we go next? You know, <laughs> so. I will we'll just uh, kind of reside here for a little while, but it's it's an awesome book because it really records the praises to God. Uh, it, re, it records the cries to God for Him to act in any and all kind of situations. It records uh, believers' uh, hurts and pains. It records different struggles that all of humanity deals with, and it is a, a great book to head to when you don't really know. Uh, what to read or or what's going on? I I love running to it because it's it's just one of those books that you can you can praise him in the now. You can praise him in what's what's going on, and it really um, shows us how we can direct the range of human emotion and what we go through towards our Lord. You know, it it matters greatly because we're not we're not robots, right? And we all deal with the good old struggles of life that we might we might enjoy, right? <laughs> but they're you know they're mostly 
uh, hard. But we're humans, you know, we have feelings, we have will and personality, hurts and hunger, passions and desires. Uh, the book of Psalms takes us on a journey of placing those before God. You know, it's, it's a time where we can, we can go to God even when everything's falling down around us and we can put it before him. We can approach the Lord in our pain and our loss of a position and a title of, uh, you know, saying goodbye to a friend, um, dealing with change in life. Uh, let's uh, let's read uh, Psalm chapter three. Please turn in there uh, in your Bibles with me. If you... Psalm chapter three. I have a Hebrew Bible, and it's like after the prophets. It really weirded me out, and I just went that way again. Um, <laughs> but uh, Psalm is actually uh, at the other end of the study Bible I have. Um, but uh, Psalm chapter 3 says this. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation in him for God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I laid down and slept, and I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me, against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. Salah. You know, here in Psalm 3, you know, we see the author, we see David telling us what, what has happened. You know, what is being said about him in verses 1 and 2. And then he, in verses 3 and 4, declares who the Lord is. And then David moves on to what the Lord does in verses 5 through 8. David writes these words out as a cry from his heart of what's going on and the struggle of what he's going through. In most Psalms, we actually don't really know the context that they're written in, but Psalm 3, we actually know what's going on. Uh, the title of this Psalm is actually a Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. You know, there is this issue going on in David's life. So he cries out to the Lord Almighty, the Lord of heaven. He says this in verses 1 and 2. O oh Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him and God. Now David had a problem. Something was, was going on. People were talking and, and he cried out to the Lord. Have you ever stopped and thought of the, the capitalized Lord? Well, what, does that, what does that mean? That's where we get our, our word Jehovah. You know, it is the self-existent one the eternal one, the one who is, was, and forever will be. That is the one that David cries out to. And we can do that as well. You know, no matter what's going on, we can cry out to the Lord, the eternal one, our creator and redeemer. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews 
Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 16, the very end of the chapter, says this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And all that David is going on, and all that is going on with David, he goes to the one that can help him. You know, he he stops. You know, he he cries out to God. You know, and all that's going on in our lives, why why stop here? Who is this? Who is this that we can cry to? It's again, it's the Lord. It's the one that has formed us and framed us. He knows us more than we know ourselves and loves us. He is God and he cares for us, so we can draw near to him and approach his throne of grace in her hour of need. You know, in, in David's, excuse me, in David's hour, it was a great time of need. Um, and let's just see what's happening here. Uh, we can actually go and read from 2 Samuel, if you want to turn there with me in your Bibles, to 2 Samuel chapter 15. And as we turn there, I wanted to give you a, a bit of the backstory. You can uh, read Absalom's story. It starts in chapter 13 of 2 Samuel and goes into chapter 18. Well, in the in the middle of his story, in 13 and 14, uh, Absalom is the son of David. He's the third son of David. He's a very cunning man. Uh, what we see, what we see of him, is that he actually, after his sister is raped by their half-brother, who is David's first child. Uh, he plans his death for two years. It takes two years to wait. And then after he kills him, he runs away and waits for three years uh, until David uh, gets over the murder of his firstborn and starts longing for Absalom. So as, as this has all happened in 13 and 14, you come into 15, and in the first six verses, Absalom goes on and, and does this. He's been reunited and brought before the king. Well, now he he's, starts planning another, another thing. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, <clears throat> See your claim. Your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. And then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land, then every man with a dispute or a cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. Does your blood run cold at that sentence? Like it made my hair stand up the first time I read it when I was studying this because it's like you just see the pride. <laughs> and whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. This Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. 
and then going on, um, you know, Absalom continued his step plan, and he did this for four years. And he kept on advancing in his cunning. He did, you know, two years, three years, and then four years. Now, after that, after giving that many kisses out and you know meeting all of these men that were coming to his father David, Absalom, you know, told them this. Hey, no one, no one's picked out by the king to hear the disputes or causes. So Absalom picks himself. Absalom's like, it's me. For this reason, it says that he wanted to judge the land. Whose position was that? It was the king's. It was the king's in that time. So he was cunning here. He planted seeds of rebellion. And the text says this, he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He stole them from his own father. Verses 7 to 12, we actually see this rebellion take form. Uh, he asks his father, can I go pay a vow? Doesn't really explain what the vow is, but he's like, I'm going to go to Hebron. And so he goes off to Hebron. And then this news comes that Absalom has proclaimed himself king. This news comes to David in 13 and 14. And it says, a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. And then David said to all of his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, or else they will be, there will be no escape from us for, from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us quickly and bring down ruin on us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword." As David gets this news, he gets news that the whole of Israel has gone to Absalom. You know, in the context of Psalm 3, you know, he states, many are my foes. You know, the whole of the nation had gone a different way at this point. And David acts quickly here. He acts to flee, to go, to run, because he doesn't want Absalom to overtake them. And he doesn't want the city to be attacked. He doesn't want the city to come under siege. So we see this many against David. But what about the saying, there's no salvation? Where does that come from? Well, as David and his followers are fleeing from Jerusalem in chapter 16 of 2 Samuel, there's a man that comes after them. And this man actually starts throwing stones and curses at David. And in chapter 16, verse 8, he says this, The Lord has avenged you on all the blood of the house of Saul. This man was of the house of Saul. In those places you have reigned, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Um, this man yelled these things, probably screamed them at David as he was fleeing, fleeing from his son as he fled from Saul. I don't know about you, but when someone says something bad about me, does that kind of stick with you? Now, this would ring in my ears for days. So it's something that David even prays about to God. He writes it down to God. He cries this out to the Lord, the everlasting one. He states what happened, what has happened. Uh, David actually, one of his mighty men come up to him in that passage. Hey, do you want me to take care of that guy? No. Now, David's character 
is really seen even in this, this whole time of Absalom's uh, rebellion. You know, he doesn't stay there. You know, so much of our lives, I, I think, you know, we, we stay there. Oh, this happened, that happened, this is happening. Fix this, God. If we think about it, we get angry about it. It, it builds and builds, and, and most likely it's, it's kind of something like what Absalom dealt with. If you read chapter 13, it's really his, his father didn't do anything when his half-brother raped Tamar. And that planted those seeds of rebellion, most likely. You know, it goes, goes to see that Absalom didn't go further. But David, David goes further in this, and not just what has happened or is happening to him. He goes on to what or who the Lord is in verses 3 and 4. He says this, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. David sees his problem. Now he, he hears what the people have said, but he doesn't stay there. He says this to the Lord, to the God who is eternal. You are a shield. You guard me. You know, David didn't take glory in life or glory in having his own way or glory in even having his throne, he took glory in who the Lord of all was. He trusted the Lord of glory. You know, the one that he knew would lift his head. David knew when he was down and out to go to the Lord of hosts, to go to him. Because he knew the character of God and the promises of God. So in all that is happening in David's life, he cries out to God. You know, and what happens here? David says, God, God answered him. God speaks to David. You know, God speaks to us as well. There's so many times today we, we hear, I wish God would speak to me. You know, what most people mean when they say that, I, I, they say, I wish God would audibly speak to me and tell me this or that. You know, the, the truth is, is that the people in history, the, the people in the Bible that heard him speak audibly still had their problems and pains, Right? And they still had to figure things and go forward. You know, but the truth is, is that we have a word from God and so did they. We have the Bible. We have the truth, the spoken out, breathed out word of God. You know, God has spoken to us. You know, and please turn to Hebrews chapter 1 with me in your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 is what we'll read. And it says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now God spoke to us by his son. 
and by the heir of all things, by the one who created the world. The glory of God came down to earth. The one who upholds galaxies has come to make God known. You know, in the whole of the New Testament, we have these witnesses to him. You know, these, these eyewitnesses accounts that, that record what he did and what he said. And we have a whole set-apart book. We have the Bible that is the breathed-out word of God, inspired, trustworthy, and true. So do we see that he has spoken, that he has answered us from his holy hill? Yeah, as we deal with life, we can listen to him and we can know and trust him just as David did in his time of hardship. Uh, Psalm uh, 121, uh, the author says this in the first two verses, and uh, it was cool uh, just you know, studying this. Uh, this popped up on one of the verses of the day on version, and it says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, the author of, of this psalm looks around. Where, where does my help come from? You know, people today may, may look around to the, the farmland, the, the skyscrapers, the suburbs, and ask, where does my help come from? Where, where does my help come from? It doesn't come from things made from creation. It comes from the creator the eternal one, the one whom in the beginning created, the one whom in the beginning was already forever. You know, that's a hard thing to contemplate. God is forever in the past and forever in the future. It's a little bit easier, maybe. <laughs> you know, God is forever. You know, it goes back to what David described him as in the first part, the Lord, the self-existent one, uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. Uh, in Exodus chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 15, uh, Moses is being called out by God. He meets God. Uh, God appears to him in a burning bush. It's you know, an amazing chapter to, to just sit down and read. You know, God tells Moses, hey, go talk to Pharaoh. You set my people free. Uh, I don't talk too good. You go through all of his excuses. You know, and, and one of them right here is, is Moses asking a question to God. He says this in verse 13 through 15. And then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall, I, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am as sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say, to the, say this to the people of Israel. The, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you, and this is my name forever. And this I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Asking God for his ID is pretty laughable, right? But it's an awesome ID. <laughs> and Moses speaks to God, and he asks God his name. 
And God says, I am. You know, God is the to be in the definition. You know, he is eternal. He is existent. You know, according to gotquestions.org, it says this, it is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. He is there. God's existence is not dependent upon anyone else. He, his plans are not dependent on any circumstance. His promises, he promises that he will be what he will be. That is, he will be eternally, constantly God. He stands ever-present and unchangeable, completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills and to do what he wants to accomplish. You know, he has been forever in the past, and he is now forever, and he will forever be even after creation, even before time he was. You know, this is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is the everlasting one, the great I am. And so as life comes apart for David, as he flees from his son, he cries out to the I am, the one who hears and the one who speaks. Now, as we see next, he goes into what God does, how God acts. You know, David has told God what, what has happened or what is happening. David has proclaimed, you know, this is who God is. And David knows the Lord will guard him and will lift up his head. And now he writes about what the Lord does. In verses 5 through 8 of Psalm 3, he says this, I lay down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me. Some other translations say 10,000. It's a lot. It's a lot of people. And they are against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me. O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to you. Our, your blessings be on your people, Selah. Now David praises the Lord. You know, for all that's going on, all these hardships going on, he slept. He went to bed. <laughs> he rested. God sustained him. You ever have a problem in your life, right? Do you sleep well? I, I'm sitting there. You know, come on, let's figure this out. Let's fix it. Let's get done. <laughs> David's over there sleeping. The mighty men want to stab people. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> it's like, you know, like he rested. God sustained him. You know, in this time of rebellion, David could have been sitting up many a nights thinking, brainstorming, strategizing, but instead he's resting. He's sleeping because of who the Lord is. You know, we all know life happens, right? You know, work, school, family and friends. There's political ads that you got to get the remote again and mute it. You know, know, there's wars and rumors of wars and there's, of course, viruses that come along. You know, there's all of these fears that the world is all about. 
that through it all we can rest in the one who sustains us, in the one who is everlasting, the Lord. You know, this is way different from, from luck or fate. And I was kind of thinking about that. This is about living a life before us in the truth of what Scripture has stated about God, about who the Lord is. He is the one that sustains creation. He's the one that uplifts galaxies. And so he can sustain us in our time of hardship. He can be trusted in our time of hardship. So as we, as we deal with life, we can worship God because of who he is and what he has done you know, and what he does. You know, David goes on that he will not be afraid, though many thousands have set themselves up against their rightful king. Though this rebellion has taken form, you know, David is not going to live in fear. <clears throat> and this is, this is something that we've actually seen of him since we first met him in the Bible. And uh, if you go to First uh, Samuel chapter 16, sorry, chapter 17, if you want to turn there with me. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David is a small little boy that's even forgotten by his father. As Samuel comes around looking for the next king of Israel, he, he tends his father's sheep. He you know, does tasks and everything. Well, on one task, he goes up to this battlefield. And you know, right here, he, he sees this Philistine coming out and defying the, the Israel's the Lord's armies, the armies of Israel actually fled from fear in the sight of this giant. And we, you know, we know this story very well, but some things that David says here really stand out and talk about a person that is confident in the Lord. He says this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. And David said, the Lord whom delivered, and this is to Saul, the Lord whom delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. You know, he, David trusted the Lord. You know, David, as, as a shepherd boy, uh, defended the flocks of his father from lions and bears. You know, he watched over his father's sheep. He protected them. And now he knew that the Lord would deliver him from this Philistine as well. David says this actually to Goliath in verses 45 and 46. And David said this to the Philistine, You come with me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now David's confidence was in the Lord. You know, in that name he came in facing Goliath. In that name he came facing Saul, facing Absalom. He tells Goliath, that he had defied the everlasting one. And that on this day, the Lord would give Goliath over to David. Now, David tells Goliath, actually, you know, this is going to happen. And this is why. So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. 
know, that is a grand truth that the world would know that we would see who the Lord is and what he has done and what he is doing and know him. You know, and that we would listen to him and, and seek him and cry out to him. You know, the, the David cries to the Lord to arise, to save him in this situation. Because the Lord does this. He strikes all of David's enemies on the cheek. You know, this isn't a sign of love, right? You know, this is a sign of disrespect, a sign of attack. You know, the enemies of David will have to deal with the Lord, for the Lord is against the wicked. You know, those who are deliberately rebelling against the rightful king of Israel. David did not take matters into his own hands, but he cried out and gave them to the hands of the Lord. You know, and whatever we are going through, we can bring it to the Lord, whether big or small, whatever kind of hurt or wrong done to us, we can put it in the hands of God. You know, this points us to a truth of who the Lord is. He is the just judge. He is the one who is good and holy, and he will not let things slip past him. Uh, please turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. <clears throat> In the last uh, two verses, 13 and 14 of the chapter, we'll read. It says this, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now this is the end of the matter, Solomon says. The whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments. Because the rest of life, according to Ecclesiastes, is vanity. It's like chasing the wind, especially in eastern Colorado. That would be really hard. But, you know, <laughs> it's to fear God and keep his commandments, this is the duty of man. Because the day will come. Judgment day will come. Where every deed, known and unknown, will be brought to light. You know, this is where all of humanity will come to. All of humanity will be brought to judgment. And if we want to turn to Hebrews chapter 9. We're in Hebrews a lot today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 tells of the fate of humanity. And this is uh, verse 27 and 28. It uh, tells of the destiny of all of humanity. Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of the many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. Now if we read back to one verse, it says, in verse 26, that Jesus once and for all made a sacrifice for sin. You know, we know and understand that we die. You know, life will end one day. You know, some disagree in that area. You know, oh, no, there's reincarnation. No, there's the paranormal. Destined, destined for man to die once and then to face judgment. You know, this is the truth. We'll all face judgment. 
justice will come. So trust in the Messiah who bears your sins. Trust in the Messiah who has appeared and will appear a second time to bring those who await him home. You know, in the end, we can lay all that has happened or is happening to us before God. We can put it in his hands or we can hold on to it and stay up all night. I'd rather sleep. You know, that sounds pretty nice, you know, because he sustains us. You know, we can trust the everlasting and self-existent one. You know, the I am will deal with it. You know, David ends this psalm with this, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. You know, salvation belongs to the Lord. You know, the things that, that people were saying about David, that salvation doesn't belong to him, David trusted God, and salvation belongs to the Lord, the Lord that David cried out to. David trusts God to save him in this time of hardship. And David ends with this, may the Lord's blessing be upon the people. Now it just goes back to, hey, let's flee before he comes, before Absalom comes, because then there's going to be a siege and people are going to get hurt. And then right here, who's he about? The people. That's a leader. You know, that's a great leader. Now, even that the people's heart had been stolen by his son, David prayed for them. He didn't give in or give up. He was confident in the Lord and laid it before him. I wanted to take a few moments and talk about the word, uh, I don't know how you say it, Selah, right? Selah, you know, one of those pronunciations, right? <laughs> um it's a Hebrew word that we don't know the meaning of, so saying it wrong doesn't matter, right? There we go. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's heard in this psalm. It's heard 71 times in the book of Psalms, and then it's in um, one of the prophets. I forgot which one. Um, but when you get older, you've got to write everything down or you forget it. But <laughs> um, The exact meaning isn't known to us, but biblical scholars are either in the corner of it being some kind of musical or liturgical term noting and referring to a time of silence, a pause or interlude that the, maybe the instruments would stop and that people would sing a cappella. That'd be scary even back in the time of Israel. Oh, no, my voice is a shower voice. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, med- meditation sometimes, even today, is, is seen as something that is, well, foreign or Eastern. But it says this in, in Psalm 1, verse 2. You know, on his law, he meditates day and night. You know, it's really to, to pause. You know, think about these things. Hey, this is what's happening. You know, this is what's going on. To pause and think about that. This is who you are, God. This is who you are. To pause and think about that. And then this is what you do. You know, this is, you're an interacted, interactive God. You interact with your, your creation pause and think about that you know that's that's biblical meditation to pause and think upon who the Lord is to yes deal with life but to also worship him in life you know we we can do this because as Francis Schaeffer says you know, he is a God that is there and he is not silent you know, he's a God that is here in life 
you know, as we come to the end of, of Psalm 3, you know, what, do we, what do we see? You know, what does the text say? You know, it says that we can tell the Lord everything that's going on in our lives. You know, we don't have to stay there either. You know, we can read on and, and see that no matter what is going on, the Lord is. The Lord will forever be. And then we can see that he is the I am and the just judge, the eternal one that will bring things all together. And what does this mean? It means that we can put all of our struggle before God. It means that we can trust Lord and have, trust the Lord and have confidence in him. You know, that is different than fate or luck and just, just rolling with it. It's trusting God to be God and to live in that truth. It means that no matter what is happening, no matter what has happened or is happening or is going to happen, we can know that the Lord will bring it to final justice to all of humanity. So how do we, how do we apply this to today? How do we work this into our lives and, and go forward? Now, first off, Know this, and anything and everything can be lifted to God and placed before him, no matter what we struggle with. And secondly, we don't have to stay there. We don't have to sit in that. We can, no matter what, know who the Lord is, know who the self-existent one is. And thirdly, we can know that God sees all and knows all, and he will bring the guilty to judgment so we can live in confidence of who the Lord is. And, you know, that comes to have a, a great effect in our life. I'd like to end with a passage from, from Romans 12, uh, Romans 12, 14 through 21. I'm, I'm skipping ahead in Sunday school. <laughs> now it says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so as it depends on you, Live peaceable with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To do the contrary. Now, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As you know, we, we live life, we have you know, a whole um, map out there. I don't know if you noticed it when you came in, but there's a map out there of the persecuted church. And then there's ideas of how to pray for them. You know, and I, I'm, I'm encouraging myself to do this as well, is to pick one country this week. Just take some time and, you know, and figure, you know, find out what's going on with those believers. You know, and take, take some time to you know, pray for them. 
you know, we, we definitely feel some persecution here and some things going on here, but, but nothing like that. You know, you wake up and, and you can read news stories of churches being blown up, of pastors being killed for preaching the word of Christ in that country or this country. And it's, you know, it's, it's happening. But as, as we talked in, in Sunday school, that's, you know, that's going to be there. You know, even the desire to live a godly life in Christ will face persecution. And, and Jesus said, you know, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. And, you know, I just encourage everyone to, to pick a country and pray. Pray for that country this week. So let's, let's close our time in, in prayer. Uh, Father God, we, we thank you for your word. I thank you that we can come and, and sing to you that we have this awesome opportunity to, to just come together to, to worship the self-existent God. You don't, you don't need us, but you want us. You want us to, to come before you in our hour of need, to lift up praises to you in our time of, of desperate need of, of anything that's going on, that we can know who you are and know that you are an eternal, self-existent God that, that loves us, that we can glory in you, God, for you are the lifter of our head. You know, even that, you know, the times when we're down and out, that we can come to you and we can bear our hearts we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And Father, as we go forward this week, help us to, to love those around us. Help us not to, to point to ourselves or, or to something else, but to point to you, God. Help us to remember the persecuted church. Help us to, to go forward in our desires to, to love you and to to know you and to make you known, Lord. And uh, we just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.